0: Welcome back to Foam Talks. I'm Miriam Koyman, curator at Foam and your host for this episode. Today, I'm talking with Alba Tsari. She is an incredible filmmaker and photographer who lives and works between London and Trieste and whose project The Why was selected for Foam Talent 2020. The Why is a deeply personal yet scientifically approached search for her biological father, whom she never met. At the age of 25, Alba found out through a DNA test that the man whom she thought to be her father, in fact, wasn't. Since the Y chromosome can only be passed on from father to son, the Y represents a fascinating collection of material that Alba gathered over the course of two years while searching for clues that otherwise would have been easily acquired if she had been born a man. So today we'll talk about the Y, but also about the brand new second chapter to this long-term research, Occult which focuses on her mother. Get ready for an unheard of family history of Alba Tsari and her braveness to face and share it with the world through her art. Dear Alba, I'm thrilled to be talking with you today on your projects, The Why and The Occult, that take us into a very personal search on your family's history. Um, In 2013, if I'm correct, at the age of 25, you found out that the man whom you always believed to be your father, in fact, wasn't. Um, This must have been a life-changing discovery. So when did you decide to search for your biological father? And did you know from the start that you would turn it into an artistic project?
1: Well, um, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really happy to be here and have this chat with, uh, with you guys. So to go back to your question, um, well, uh, I, when I found out, I immediately um, thought that my, my whole identity changed because I was born in Bangkok in Thailand and I thought that I had um, a Thai father. So um, it is, of course, looking for a person that I never met and I don't know, but it's also the journey and looking and um, searching for my own identity. Um, the first thing I did, I was doing my master's, I remember, in uh, not in Milano. And I had an Iranian friend, so I know that I have few informations about my biological father. So his name is Massar, could be Iranian or Iraqi. Um, And he was working for Emirates Airlines and flying to Bangkok, and there is where he met my mother. And so I just asked my friend, she was going back to Tehran, if I could go with her just to see how the people were so this this wasn't part of the project it's my personal life but the necessity to to find out where i belong and what, what what is my country what is my identity was very very urgent was really a strong necessity and so then slowly i started i had this you know this kind of seed inside me and this thought um about about starting to to look for him and of course, like I did start this artistic project, and the moment I decided, it was really cross like really close, sorry to my 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 life. It is actually my life because the purpose was really to look for him and I tried to use every kind of medium and tool that I had to to find him and photography in in this case was very, very important from um the documents. so the first thing I did was... Do a DNA test on the father of my brother that is Thai, and it was zero percent um my father. So I, I wanted to have numbers, and this way of like having an emotional distance was helping me to go through the um through the whole process, and and yeah. So from from the documents to the um, archive pictures, where I started to paint on on the pictures of. of the person that I thought was my father. So photography is not always a document of truth. Um, And even in my personal life. So I was uh, crossing uh, always these two boundaries of personal life and artistic research. And it actually helped me to understand the difference between private and public. Of course, there's much more in my own life. But then you have to decide what I'm showing, what is public, what is meaningful, what is Still private in a very personal research.
0: Yeah, because y- you are really displaying a lot of um, not only photographs but also per- personal items. Uh, your work is part of the Foam Talent 2020 exhibition. And in a way, the whole presentation of your work takes the viewer through the project step by step. For all the listeners here that uh, can't see your work right now but are just hearing this conversation, Can you take us through the different steps of the project?
1: Yes, so um, it's difficult to do it without without a visual
0: support. Without visuals, (laughs) yeah.
1: And you can use imagination then. But yeah, so it it started, as I said before, with a DNA test and I did an um, ancestral region test on, on my own DNA to find out, of course, that I have two X, two chromosomes X, so the Y, and that's how the project is called, is the missing Y. So I, I couldn't trace the identity of my biological father without having uh, the Y, without, you know, my brother has a different father, so I couldn't even trace his, his uh, history and where he, he belongs. So it's, um, it's a project about um, trying to find, it's a research in itself that is, that is part of the project. Then I looked at my archive pictures, my my family photos, uh, the VHS, uh, to try to find some clues in 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 the past. So it's like we, we're looking at, at every single bit, but with a different narrative, with a different story. So every picture has had a different meaning when I start to look at them back again. Um, and it's the project has a few chapters so another one is the physiognomic studies that i did on myself and on my maternal line the eggs to try to with the process of exclusion to find his own features so my mom is tall and blonde and i've got her, her bone structure i'm tall like her but um I'm, i have dark skin my eyes are really dark so um by this physiognomic process i i guess um I look more like my father that I never met, than than anyone in my maternal line family. Um, after the, the physiognomic study, I tried to reconstruct a 3D, an avatar, uh, to have an image of him, because the thing is, like even having um, an image like a mirror where I can reflect myself and have a sense of, of belonging. Um, Doing this research, I got my birth certificate. We're also there. I found out that there is a person that signed my paternity. So I have a legal father that I never knew about. I found out in 2016 of this person. Then I went to Los Angeles to to meet him. And he's a homeless person that lives in a van. And and he was linked to my mother for um, um, some yeah, from some part of her past that I needed to find out, and this is where my second project started, and and yes, I did a web research, and this became part of the project in itself.
0: Yeah, it's incredible all the all the ways you uh, have been using photography on the one hand to, well, looking back at your photo albums, where photographs were used to establish an idea of what your family was and, and then you reworked those photographs to, well, basically you've been wiping out the, the man whom you thought to be your father from the pictures. Um, but then also, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting to see that in those, um, also other archive photographs that you really were circling body parts to see what yeah uh what body parts were matching with your mother's and and when it wasn't and um and then that step that you come towards that computer avatar uh is really fascinating because it's yet another use of photography but can you can you explain us a bit how that works how how have you been able with the computer to to make a model of what your father must, uh, must look like. And, and to what extent do you believe this is accurate or is it still a fantasy made up by the computer?
1: Well, I think it's both. Like There is a fantasy of imagining how he could look like based um, on the features uh, of how I think, like the features that I think belong to him. So I'm um, done on this program that's called Make a Human. And I think now it's a bit, also even on, because the, the CGI changes, like, you, you have two years, so now they're looking at up like, oh, I should um, download a new version of, uh, of him and do an upgrade. But, um, yeah, um, this program, it does, makes, constructs um, a human from scratch. So you can, um, I put it up a picture, my own picture, um in the background and I like the nose, the the, the eyes, the chin, I try to like uh, make it similar to mine because I think it looks like him then the you can put the age, um, uh, the body structure uh, and then you, you can even empathize it because so I thought it was a man's features are stronger. Um, you can really build a, a person from from scratch. It is a fantasy. 100% is a fantasy. It's uh, imagining who it could be, but it, it's... Um, I mean, that was the last part of the project. This was two years of research. And it's uh, my peace of mind. It's my own peace of mind because it's where the where life can't answer you anymore. I, I try to have my own answers and to stop asking from the, from the outside.
0: I, I also um, thought to remember that you used this this computer generated model of what your father could look like in a, a reverse image search on uh, on the internet did it have any outcomes?
1: Yes but really not matching at all not matching at all yeah I tried to put that picture in Google in images to switch but come back but no I didn't it didn't come back I sometimes I wish I just knew the surname because it would be much easier. It's like really a detective kind of investigation, you know, with really few clues. And uh, yeah, you try everything you have. And and internet is, is a really big tool and you can find so many things. Like with Gary, the person that signed my, uh, my paternity legally, I have a name and a surname and I could find... Uh, from American's uh, database, Um, his marriages, how many kids he had when he got divorced, his jobs, how many times he changed jobs, how many times he changed residency, he was living in Texas, now in California, so it's a bit scary, you know? (laughs) It's really scary
0: if you think about it. I mean, I wonder how much people can find of me online, Um, probably quite a lot, I'm afraid.
1: Yeah, my boyfriend is scared of me as well
0: sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you must be a pro now in this kind of yeah. detective research. That's yeah, crazy. yeah, my my friends ask
1: me to <laughs> <laughs>
0: Are you now also uh, um, sourcing uh, potential dating profiles to just check for your friends, who they can trust or not? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, on a more serious note, it's. Um, um, how how was this search for you? Because it hasn't just been an examination of, well, of a family history, maybe, or or like the missing links, it in that sense, it also has really been a very close examination of yourself, very literally, I mean, I mean, you, you kind of scanned your whole body, uh, just to look for clues how, how, what was it like to kind of examine your own body like that as almost as an outside observer?
1: It gives you distance. It's, it gives you really emotional distance to uh, to to um, detach yourself in a way from your own feelings, to put yourself out there because I am looking uh, for my father, but I'm looking uh, for myself as well, for my identity because I felt really really lost in the first place. So it's like regaining... Uh, my identity, my the truth, even of where like where my features, where they belong. I'm not Asian. I'm not Thai. Who am I? You know. So really, put myself and observe and try to uh, to have answers. But I need to do it on myself. And and sometimes you cannot control reality. You cannot control the answers from the outside. And everything that I have was was myself. So I really felt like. Not like it was in a lab because I was my, it was my choice to to examine what I had and my myself. So yeah, it's accepting, it's accepting in a way without knowing and trying to um, to take away the the rhetorical. You know, what's it's a very personal uh, project, but I guess the I try the aesthetic is is more like kind of dry and and not detached and distant in a way.
0: Yeah. And I I think one question that especially lingers around the why is why your mother didn't have the answer about who your biological father is. Um, And I believe this also formed the impetus of the second chapter to your research titled Occult. So can you tell us about that?
1: Yes, so um, I guess that the first project, uh, the why was uh, a big step to prepare me to do this new project that is still ongoing. I have uh, produced I, I think all of the, the images and I'm trying to create like the narrative and, and the story, but it's very much linked to uh, to the why. So and even when I did in presentations, the first questions that people ask me, Uh, Why does your mother don't know what is her role in all of this? And my mother is is the most important person that I have in my life. And she has no, um, like, it's it's not her fault for not knowing. And it was difficult. I just did the first project for myself to find out. Um, And in a way, she was not really very involved. But I felt I I needed to... um, in a way justify or like um, regain uh, some respect and some ownership of her own life. Uh, so she was uh, in a cult that is called the Children of God. And my grandmother took her there when she was 13 years old. And the Children of God, um, the Children of God is a Christian cult, sorry, that um, was uh, created in um, 1968 in Huffington, in California by David Berg. And it, they translated like the love for jesus love for god in a very literal way so the woman had to share their own body and the reason why i don't know who my father is because my mother had to do this thing called flirty fishing so go to the streets and show god's um love so like asked to to sleep with men and that was literally sh- showing god's love um and she had to do it with more people possible and keep the babies. And the babies without uh, an identity, without a father, were called Jesus babies. And of course, for her, in a way, was very dramatic and very, she'd been through, through abuse and uh, brainwashed in a very young age. So um, what she wanted for me is to have a father. So the other person that she met in the court, the father of my brother that is Thai, she asked him to actually take care of me. So everything she did was out of, um, she has no fault in in what happened. And as an artist and as a daughter, I felt I I needed to to start the second chapter um, to understand, of course, her reason deeply. Um, But before the why, I wasn't really prepared because it's a very... um, Hard story, and look at the propaganda, the leaflets, and the, um, you know, what what this cult did and did to my mother was very um, strong for me. So I needed time to to um, to process everything and, and to get ready to start this this new project called Le Cult.
0: So, have you been able to talk about it with your mother or? with the f- the few clues you had, you just started your own research?
1: Uh, so how I'm structuring it now at the moment is um, because I, I'm trying to uh, not ask her too much because uh, uh, it's very traumatic for her and I want to respect that. And it's again how you can, with photography, do something really personal, but having boundaries and respecting some things that we remain uh, private and, re- and remain like, delicate and really sensitive so I have more a lot of family pictures and I collected more from my grandmother about them before in Trieste so to try to understand the reason why uh, she wanted to take my mother and escape from Trieste and join this cult and so there is like um, um, a moment like the past so before they joined the cult uh, so pictures of my mother when she was really when she was a child when she was at school so the with her brothers with her father and then uh, pictures after so with me in Thailand in an exotic place very different from Trieste and and it's like that in the middle there are no pictures there, when we came out of the cult I was four years old and my mother and my grandmother never wanted to speak about this ever again. So there's there's a this like black hole this missing information of of memory and of things that happened. And this is where I started to do my own research. So I went to this website of ex-family members to get a lot of archive pictures of propaganda leaflets, of things that, of course, my family didn't want to show me to protect me. And I actually found out on my own what this was about from... Objective um, newspapers, uh, propaganda leaflets, comics, and though I watched documentaries, I did screenshots of them. So I, I collected a really big database of, of the history from the sixty eight to the present of
0: of this cult
1: to fill the hole to fill that that gap.
0: And this cult, um, because I mean you're saying that your your family is from Trieste, but you grew up in Thailand, uh, or at least until the age of four. I, is this a worldwide network, this this cult of the children of God? How how did you end up there? And- well, it's
1: American, so it is quite um worldwide kind of cult. And there are some famous people that were in, in this college, like in Phoenix and other people. So it was quite big in the 70s. There were more than 30,000 people around the world, so they had colonies in South America. They had some, of course, in in Europe, in Italy, in in France, in Germany. And and then they went to India. My mother was trained in Goa. And last year, no, sorry, 2019, 2020. It's like there's, there's a year missing, that's a year of lockdown that I don't count. But... Uh, Before uh, COVID, I went for six months in in Asia. So I went to other cities where my mom was living. So I've been to Delhi, Goa, where she was trained, um, Varanasi. Then I went up to Nepal, Kathmandu. So my mother made a list of all the places she has been before I was born. And I went there to take pictures. For, for the new project and to, to find like some kind of new age similar cults that believe in like in tantra and sexual awakening and that are like spiritual but going in a sexual d- direction and this is part of the new material of the project and yeah it was a cult that was in an, another an all- an all- world yeah many colonies and also like by the archive pictures it's very interesting to see how these american white men are bringing the the bible and um their own kind of bible and their own like religion in countries that have a completely different like in Thailand, the buddhist and how they try to again colonize uh religiously um countries with totally different um beliefs And that's that's interesting to see in the the archive pictures as well that I collected.
0: So if I understand correctly, did your mother move between colonies and did she have her own freedom of movement or was she sort of taken from place to place?
1: Um, She had to like um, go in in groups of two or three, usually women. And uh, there were these People call shepherds and they decided where to go and what to do. So they were always the control. They couldn't keep the money. So they were always giving the money that they had from free fishing to the shepherds. So my mom lived like for 15 years without ever having money for herself. And the kids, we couldn't go out of, of this villa, of this house until we were able to go and and, and practice all the, all the beliefs. And yeah, it was was very
0: controlling. But this sounds, yeah, because this sounds like human trafficking and and that she was, I mean, this sounds like completely illegal practice.
1: Yeah, in fact, they had a lot of uh, law cases against them. And the reason why uh, this person signed my birth certificate and Gary, that was my father, was to... Um, cover these uh, illegal births, and um, yeah it had to change names so now it's called the family and all the the things that happened before they are completely illegal and they're not happening anymore
0: With your research into the propaganda of of children of God have you now, I mean I know that the, the project hasn't completely finished yet but have you gained an understanding of why your grandmother could have joined a cult like this?
1: Well, this is where I started to uh, have less of a um, like personal, uh, emotional, uh, or even anger. Like, why did you do this to my mother kind of um that is still a a private kind of topic but with the project i really try to understand how much women are so like conditioned their body is so objectified by men and how can this didn't happen just to my grandmother happened to many many women that were uh i don't know how much there is a choice uh because like the idea of our body not being ours and being an object of God, of men, of the society is so radicated in us that something like this, it can be acceptable. Of course, like there's a part of you know, unhappy marriage, you're lost, you want to change your life, and and it's easy to um, if people brainwash you, you can just get dragged into something like that. So there's no what really happened with this project. is like there's no. Um, judgment, and there is a deep understanding of uh, of a topic of this project that is very, very feminist. It's like, how can men really continue to objectify our bodies like that? How can we... Because the, the leaflets that I think you saw, and it's a pity I cannot show them now because they're very strong. And how can you look at that? And Can you describe them a little bit? Okay, so, so there is one with the written, You are the love of God. I have it right here. And there is this uh, blonde woman with a really beautiful body. And she, her hands are like Jesus Christ on the cross, but her legs are open. And in the middle of her um, vagina, there is a, a nail. So that's very visually very strong. And then there's another one with a man and a woman. And they're in bed, almost kissing. And the, the um, it's written, God, God's horse question mark by Moses David so it's it's shocking for me to uh um, God's love slave is another
0: one just for the record these are these are graphics uh, I mean it, it's it's almost like a, a comic right yeah. how they have been designed it's these are not photographs you're mm-hmm. describing just just yeah for the... yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah because when you were showing me um some of the the visuals of your project uh Another almost looked like a, yeah, like a graphic novel. Um, if if I saw it correctly, that also um, hinted on child abuse. So it's not only directed to the women.
1: The reason why we escaped when I was four, I think, was for, you know, my mother and my grandmother to protect me and my brother. So, yeah, there was a lot of um, child abuse and cases as well
0: it's uh it's 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 really hard to understand how how cult can form a whole almost yeah like a religion around this and then especially when they say it's based on christian values it's um quite another take um on things so it's you know it's it's very interesting to um to actually, well, I admire that you do an effort um, to create an an understanding of how a system like this works. Because most of us, I think, would would turn away from it um, and and just be disgusted. And it's not like we now won't be. But it it is, um, I think, very valuable to go deeper into it and and try to understand why people actually join a cult like this. Um, but of course, I understand that it's, it's, uh, you also need to understand it for yourself, perhaps, to understand your family history in the first place.
1: Yeah. Um, it's also like a thing that a lot of women that go through, through trauma and abuse, they always feel like guilty. So my mother, she carries a sense of guilt of something that she hasn't really done. So for especially women that have been to rape, abuse, uh, the, what they have after that is still feeling guilty that they did something really wrong and dirty. So the main reason is really to speak out and to like um, show that women have nothing to be guilty of, that uh, the story has to be told because it's... Uh, you know, we cannot be, carry the sense of guilt and blame for for something that has been done to, in this case, my mother, but to other women. So this is the reason why I feel it's, uh, it's my mission to do this. To I, I need to, not just for myself. You know, it's uh, with the why it was it was more for me, my peace of mind. This one has a has a bigger bigger responsibility and bigger cause. In a sense, even if it's my own personal I write it's written like in the first person, but I feel it's a, it's has a bigger charge, emotional charge and does
0: and as an artist, as a especially an artist who I mean you express yourself mostly through film and photography, how does that um, appear in 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 occult in this project? How are you using these media?
1: So there is an um, I'm interested also in technology and how the medium uh, works. So when I went to take pictures in India, Nepal and Thailand, I went to these very like spiritual places and my focus were um, more on the uh, Western people that go there to find, you know, spirituality, but they create like, again, tiny, uh, of, of, um, white people that, uh, in a, in a way, still exploit in a spiritual way these these countries, you know the hippies kind of uh, vibe. And I use um, thermal camera, camera to read the energy. So this is a statement for me. I atheist, so I don't believe in okay. God. After <laughs> 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 everything, yeah, sense. I can
0: relate to yeah.
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I use this thermal camera to read the energy. So when they're doing like tantra, sexual awakening, um, I'm like, okay, let's see where this energy, how, you know, how warm it is, the different colors, how it is exchanged. And I do it with a really kind of scientific tool. So this is my, my kind of filter. I filter the, and, and the result is aesthetically very fitting with the new age kind of um, topics.
0: So, you were allowed to witness ceremonies and document them uh, with this thermal camera? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so
1: I created some videos and some pictures.
0: So, you've really been uh, getting in touch?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was hard for me to do it. Like, you know, and I was very honest in the sense that I was like, I'm I'm tracing my mother's past and I'm interested in observing what you're doing because she was in a cot. But I didn't speak too much about what it was. and, And yeah. Yeah, I was allowed in Latin and I took some videos, I record sound as well and have an idea of, of an installation to create like this repetition of images and sound as you do when you brainwash, like when you pray, when you do when, with mantra, it is like repetition ongoing going of, of sound and, and in this case images.
0: But just uh, these groups that you have been interacting with were not part of the the cult you were part of, right? Or that no, no, no. Was part of. No, oh, okay.
1: No, no, no. It was like looking for something what is similar today. So it's like this factor between the past and the present. So I did my own journey in the places where my mother was, but this cult almost doesn't exist anymore. But I was looking for something that today could be similar.
0: I don't know if you have been presenting parts of a cult uh, just yet. If you have been exhibiting it but um if you would then um, how would should we envision your project to look like in an, in, an, in a space or are you actually going to turn it into a book what what is your plan how do you want to present this really um, um exceptional story to the audience so um, I've
1: been very lucky because the project is not quite finished yet, and Winterthur has um, uh, bought some pieces for the permanent collection, and I did already an exhibition with uh, with them for situations. And then at the Museum Maxi, I did another installation, and it's still, uh, the, an exhibition is still on in Bristol at the World Photographic Society, a show cre- created by Aaron Schumann. Um, called in progress so it's, yeah it's fitting because in progress is developing um a project that hasn't been finished so it's quite fitting and, and it was really useful to have feedbacks already um from people you know um so there is a propaganda wall so i have a, a, a 10 meters wall really big with a wallpaper With two, um, one is like all the um, commandamenti, so all the rules that um, Father David Moses um, wrote. So there's, yeah, like 10 or 15 rules. And on the other side, there's another like newspaper uh, um, of, of the cult. And then on top of it, there are like four lines of archive pictures in A4. Uh, the one in, um, in Bristol and then Max in Rome were in um, acetate. So they, they, there is this fusion between text and um, an image. And you kind of need to get close to read both. Um, and you interact. It's an interesting way how images and, and words are interacting in this wall. And that's kind of called the propaganda wall. And on the opposite side, there is my personal archive images of my family. And they were, and the same. They the original ones. And and yeah, the pictures of my mother before getting in the cult in Trieste of her childhood and after when we escaped. Uh, and we were in Thailand for another couple of years. Uh, then there is a, a video of the thermal camera and, and the sound of uh, of the rituals. Uh, in um in this there is a vitrine. Uh, similar to the one that is in form, but with um, materials I connected traveling, and the other pictures that I took when I when I traveled on my mother's journey, like following her own
0: steps. Wow! It must be quite exciting to to already put a project on display that is still in progress. So, what kind of feedback did you get?
1: Well, yeah. Um, that it was a uh, very intense and very strong, and also awesome how it is presented. It's it's quite a, has a strong impact, and the feedback now, um, yeah, uh, good. I'm happy. Is
0: it? Um, did it change your mind on certain things that you would, that would make you display it differently in the future, or not really?
1: Ah, uh, give me some extra extra bits of ideas, you know. Um, more like going to the abstract. like i have some tarots that i scanned before going to, tra- to um, yeah, traveling and these towers are like 30 years old and you cannot read anything so i compare them to faith of how you can believe of someone saying this is your future but you can't see anything and so i'm trying to go in that direction right now as well to to um, paint on them to try to, to read what's under some involving another type of medium in this case.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I'm very excited to see how this will will, will develop further. In a way, I mean I see a distant parallel with an artist like Laia Abril. Um, not only for the consistent well, her consistent research into the inequality between the sexes and oppression of women, but also for taking the viewer really on this research journey. Um and, and yeah, kind of applying a scientific or at least as objective as possible approach to very traumatic subjects. Um, just as a way to speak about them. Are there artists that have been of inspiration to you in finding the right approach? Or artists that you admire for other reasons?
1: I think so if can, is the um, my yeah, my main uh referment, like Person that I refer to uh, for the personal way that she goes through uh, her projects. Then, uh, apart from Sofical and for the wise, um, yeah, there are other uh, kind of more uh, old like preferments like Lombroso and the Physiognomic Studies. Um, there is in the way that I try to like take um, ID uh, kind of pictures and make them rotate is that uh, uh, you know, reminds it doesn't remind me, but of course I've studied Masudov, so how he really uh, looks at that ID and the features, the faces. So I, there is, um, of course, people that I refer to that are really important have been for my to develop the project.
0: So with um, this reference to to Cesar. Uh, Lombroso, Olombroso, sorry, um, who was a 19th century Italian criminologist who established a theory that criminality is inherited and that someone born criminal could be identified by the way they look. Um, was that of inspiration to you or was it just something in a, in his approach um, of, of uh, uh, yeah, using photographs or using um, physical features
1: yeah i think the, um, the aesthetic was really important so i used a uh, large format camera as well With uh, really big negatives to to find more details more information and i did the self portraits um and the, the thing of of lombroso that is really quite a amb- big like it's how science can can fail, you know, and this project is about failures and attempts to find the right um, result using science and it's a failure after another. So how a theory that you think is right can be wrong and can be recorrected uh, within the years. And it's um, a after the failures that I find, you know, the, the my own piece. So maybe that's a bit uh, the referment in, in this case. And also like, if I think of how, yeah, Lombroso was using, you know, the criminal features or like women or um, all of that and taking these really cold uh, pictures, almost like IDs. And and if I think of now like the um, facial reconstruction of how like the police investigate and how this is still uh, our identity, our, our features are, are, um, are told to to catalog and put people in a database and
0: to... Yeah, yeah. Practices like racial policing, it's... Um, yeah, it, you're, you're totally right. It's still being used uh, and, and being applied through technology. Yeah, the um, the why and, the, and occult, they both stem from very personal starting points. And we've now discussed in detail how you apply this um, objective approach to it or scientific approach. But both subjects came from a very personal point of view. And how does that resonate with other works from your practice?
1: Well, I believe like in, in every artist has a personal reason. Even if when, when it's not so like in first person, it's there is always like a, a motivation, a strong motivation to start and to do something. Uh, for me, it's a really strong necessity and it's very explicit. But I think in any case, someone has a, a reason to do s- uh, something uh, and, and start to look on, on something instead of something else. So you, you are making a choice that is, at the end of the day, personal. Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like, yeah, it is a necessity to kind of, you know, let it out of myself, something that is too um, too strong sometimes to feel when you you do a project when you hang the picture on the wall it's like it doesn't belong to you anymore it belongs also to other people and it's a way to it's a cathartic way to to approach it and it was really really important for me even to yeah, to get on with my own life as well and to after that detach myself from it.
0: Do you think that there will be a third chapter to this research into your family's history? Is there another part coming up or do you feel like to some extent that it would be finished with these two projects with the Y and occult
1: well i am doing a, if i can call it a project but i'm doing a documentary film with my producer we we finished the development part so now we're starting we're going into production and it would will, yeah, will be a feature film of 94 minutes and and it will like the, the thing that is missing is the point of view of my mother and grandmother so it's like their voices as well so I guess that would be the last chapter.
0: Oh, wow. this sounds really exciting. So uh, uh, can you tell us something about the narrative? It's the same of the why and the quote
1: together. Like they were, it becomes like a, a film, with sound, and the story is the same story, but it, there is a different medium, of course. I can't say too much because my producer will be <laughs> angry.
0: And, and uh, what is the title of this film?
1: White Lies.
0: Okay. And uh, when can we expect it? When is it uh, due? 2023, 24. Oh, so we still have a bit of waiting time to, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really incredibly exciting.
1: Thank you. Yeah. It's intense, it's
0: intense couple of years. Okay. Well, thank you so much for giving this, uh, the all these insights into your practice and um, um, yeah, for being so um, honest and brave to share these difficult subjects. So, um, thank you very much, Elba. Thank you. It was really lovely to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the ninth episode of Foam Talks. Do you happen to be in Amsterdam? There is still time to visit the Foam Talent 2020 exhibition until the 6th of October, where you can see the why on display. If you happen to be in Bristol, Please check out the group show In Progress to see Alba's project Occult at the Royal Photographic Society. But if you're staying at home, like most of us, you can also see Alba's work as part of the digital exhibition of Foamtel in 2020. Keep an eye on our social media for the upcoming episode with Douglas Montri.